I love stories like that. And there are so many other stories as well because there are so many different people and so many different experiences for each one. Some of us here, we prefer to dress up a little bit for Easter Sunday. I notice a few other young people with a jacket on, like myself. And then some of you don't like to dress up, but that's okay. We like different types of music. Some like rock and roll. Some like Western, country western. Most of you talk about listening to praise and worship music. Some of you are morning people. Some of you are evening people. You may be married, or you might be single, you might be middle class, you might be upper class, but you may have grown up as an atheist or an agnostic, or maybe a Muslim or a Buddhist or some other religion, or just nothing at all, as Kevin Zong, who I baptized in the first service this morning. But despite all our differences, there's one thing that we have in common, and that is the fact that we have all sinned. Like we've all fallen short of the standard that God set for us. And that means that there isn't one person in this room that is morally superior to anyone else. None of us can earn it, and none of us can deserve it. So here's the great news of Easter for all of us in Romans chapter 5. But God shows his great love for us in this way. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. So God loved the sinful world so much that he sent his son to become one of us. And when Jesus came to this earth, he fulfilled every prophecy that you can read throughout the Old Testament. He performed miracles. He predicted that he would die and that three days later he would come back to life again. And he did. And we celebrate that truth this Easter morning. So Luke chapter 24 records the first Easter for us. And it says, Very early on the first day of the week, at dawn, the women came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, Two men in shining clothes suddenly stood beside them, and the women were very afraid and bowed their heads to the ground. And the men said to them, Why are you looking for a living person in this place for the dead? He is not here. He has risen from the dead. And that's the great news of Easter. Like, we are all sinners, but Jesus died for our sins. The punishment that we deserved, he took upon himself. And he was buried in that tomb, and then three days later he walked out of that tomb. And when he did that, he carried with him the keys to eternal life, so that whoever put their trust in him would also experience eternal life with him. Now that's great news, and that's a reason to celebrate. And in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul said that this is actually the most important news of all. But if we were to be honest here this morning, it doesn't always seem like it's the most important thing, does it? There are times when the days just don't fall in place for us. It's easy on days like this, like Easter Sunday, to think about the fact that Jesus died and that he came back to life. But then other days, it just doesn't seem so vital. It just doesn't seem so pressing. So we tend to think of Easter as an historical event to remember. And in fact, if you've attended many 
Easter Sunday services, you've probably heard the resurrection of Jesus talked about in that way. Like the, whoever's speaking will go through overwhelming evidence of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead many years ago. And they'll talk about things like 500 and more people saw Jesus when he was risen from the dead. And a book came out when I was a young guy. It was called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And Josh McDowell had fact after fact after fact to prove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we were tempted to just use that book on Sunday mornings. But is it more than something that just happened a long time ago? Easter isn't even one of our favorite holidays here in Canada. I've got the list for you here. Christmas is number one. That's probably presents and that's Santa Claus guy or whatever. And then Canada Day is number two. And that might be the fireworks or it might be the fact that it's the beginning of the summer. And then Halloween, number three on the list. That's horrible. But it's probably the free candy that kids get. And then Thanksgiving, turkey comes in behind there. And then Victoria Day. Like this woman died centuries ago. And yet it, it, that's a more popular day than Easter. And then comes Easter. 3.94% of the people said that that's their favorite holiday. Now I've just added a couple of random other ones here. Mother's Day, which should be much higher, 0.94%. And Father's Day, fathers, we should be up in arms, 0.40%. We're just forgotten about on that day. And then the last one on the list, if you know that I'm from Prince Edward Island, <laughs> Islander Day, 0.23% of the people in Canada are in favor of Prince Edward Islander Day. But is Easter more than a holiday? Is it more than traditions? Is it more than getting a little dressed up and uh, having a turkey or a crown roast of pork in the oven at home? Is it more than going on an Easter egg hunt in the backyard later this afternoon? Is it more than a chocolate bunny? Even the ones that are solid on the inside, like parents, don't give those hollow ones to your kids. Like a, a solid chocolate bunny, a, a solid chocolate bunny, that's what we want. But my prayer is that you'll see this Easter not just as an historical event to remember because the resurrection is meant for more than that. It's much more than something that just took place a long time ago. Now, if this sermon isn't focused on the historical event of Easter, then chances are the Easter message would focus on the future hope of Easter because when Jesus died and rose from the dead, we have the hope that one day, hopefully a long time from now, but one day we will also be with him if we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior. So John eleven twenty five, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will have life even if they die. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. So because I've conquered death, he's saying, then you will conquer death as well. So this is the great future hope of Easter. Now on May 25th, 2012, 
I conducted two completely different memorial services. The first one was for Ellen Boyer, a longtime believer and member of our church, and the second one was for Bob Wright. And I'm not sure what he was. I just was connected with him through the community, and he definitely wasn't a part of our church. At Bob's service, which was at a funeral home, I couldn't get anybody to come and speak about him. The organist was playing the music, and I was the only one singing. Nobody else would sing along with me. It was one of the toughest days of my life. And then the people were crying. They were mourning the loss of this man. They were mourning the fact that he had no hope beyond the end of this life. And then that evening came to the church for Ellen's memorial service. And her wish was no suits. Everybody was in bright shirts. I've seen a few. Well, there's one up here on the stage, like a, a, a Hawaiian-style shirt. And all kinds of people were willing to come up onto the platform and share about her life. The music was joyful. I just had to hum along. It, it was wonderful. And the difference, like there were some tears shed for Ellen, but the difference was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because even though those people grieved, they weren't grieving without hope. And 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55 says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? And this is the message of, Christ, of Easter, that Jesus took the sting out of death. He robbed death of all its power. And because of the resurrection, we have a future hope that we can celebrate. But maybe some of you are looking differently at Easter this year than you did last year because you lost someone close to you. Or maybe you've had a diagnosis that's not so good and you're hearing the Easter message about a future hope differently because that future seems pretty close. But even if you haven't lost someone or your health isn't in jeopardy, then chances are we'd say, you know, I'm glad that one day I'll be in eternity with Jesus forever. But to be honest, I've been looking for a job for quite a while now. Like, we're two months behind on our mortgage payment. Like, wh what can Easter do to help with that? Or I want to be married, but I can't find a decent prospect out there. Like, what can Easter do with that? Or in my marriage, we said for better or worse, but it just seems to be a lot more worse. You're just trying to keep your head above water. And it's not that you aren't appreciative of the fact that Jesus died and rose again, but it's just that it seems like such a long time ago. And you've got a lot going on in your life right now. So you'll set aside one day of the year, and you'll call it Easter, and you'll remember something that happened a long time ago, and you'll always look forward to what's going to happen in the future. But does Easter really make any difference today? So for many, this is the missed message of Easter. Like Paul wrote a, a, most of the New Testament letters, and when he wrote, he wanted people to understand the power of God in our lives right now. He said when you're, he was writing to people who were suffering or who were discouraged or who had questions or were defeated, he wanted them to understand the power of God in their lives. And over and over again, he's pointing to the empty tomb and he's saying, look, if God can do this, 
then there's power in your life right now. Now, there's an example of this in the book of Ephesians. Like Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he actually challenges them pretty heavily in some areas in regards to sexual purity and marriage, Christians living out their faith with a sense of urgency. And it actually feels a little bit intimidating and overwhelming when you read all of that. And you, and you think, well, th- that's nice, and man, I'd like to do that, but I've got a long way to go. I don't know if I can do it. But here's what Paul says. He says, I pray that you, that's the church, will understand the greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. So the same power that brought Jesus back to life again is available to you right now. That's Easter. And then in Philippians 3, he makes a similar statement, except this one actually gets a little more personal. I want to know Christ and the power that raised him from the dead. I want to share in his sufferings and become like him in his death. Then I have hope that I myself will be raised from the dead. See, there's a word that's used in both of these. In Ephesians, it's actually the word understand, and in Philippians, it's know. So when it comes to the power of Christ for Christians, it's not a question of whether or not God is going to give us the power. It's a question of do we know it? Do we understand it? Because if we do, we'll realize it and we'll open our eyes to it. But far too many Christians put their faith in Christ and they believe in something that happened a long time ago in history or they have hope that Something will happen in the future. But in the meantime, while living here on earth, they're not calling on that power. So too many Christians live with a sense of fatigue, a sense of being defeated. They don't know that they already have that power. If they would just understand it, if they would just know it. Now, I don't know if you've heard this story Now this is a story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer that, and it's sad really, barely kept his family fed. But here's the good news. And then one day he was shooting for some food, and up from the ground came a bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Black gold. Texas tea. Now, some of you grew up with the TV show, The Beverly Hillbillies, or maybe you've seen enough reruns on Netflix that it sounds familiar and you went to Mr. Google to, you'd have to go to Mr. Google to get the lyrics. And then a lot of you probably don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Who doesn't have a clue what I'm talking about? So the Beverly Hillbillies is a story about Jed Clampett and his family, and they've lived in the hills for years. They're mountaineers. They're very poor. But then one day, Jed was out shooting, and the oil starts to bubble up. And then the next line of the song, well, the next thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. But is he just now a millionaire, or has he always been a millionaire as long as he was living on that land? He just didn't know that there was oil underneath there. He didn't live like it, and it didn't make a difference in his life. And, I, you know, I think that's where many of us are. 
Right? We fail to realize the power that's available to us through Jesus Christ. Like Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And he talks about how we access that power, how we grow in this power. And he says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, so when you become a Christian, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that same Spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead is the one that is in you. But when you live without the power of the resurrection, here's what happens. There are a few things. First of all, you're frustrated by your failures. It's just a matter of time until you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. Like you were thinking, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago that things would be different now. Like you'd made some promises. You'd be a better husband or wife at this time. You're frustrated that you keep doing the things you don't want to do, and for some reason you can't do the things that you do want to do. You feel like Paul in Romans chapter 7, and you're just frustrated. You'd made promises that you were going to be different, and that things, you know, were going to be a little different around here, but you would break it. You promised yourself that you were never again going to lose your temper or raise your voice to your spouse or yell at your children or take another drink. And why is it that we make that promise and then break it? It's because we need the power of the resurrection in our lives to have victory. Otherwise, we just find ourselves getting frustrated. It's like sitting in a car that has no gas in it. You're just not going to go anywhere. You might get someone to push you for a while, but it's just not going to be successful. So here's a power bar. They're usually all over the place in offices or in your homes and TV rooms. So let's say you want to plug in your computer, and you do that, and then you plug in your lamp, and you plug in the telephone in your office, and then maybe you have powered speakers, and, and then maybe there's something else that you plug in. And so now you're all set to go to a socket in the wall. And you look around, you crawl under your desk, and you look, and you can't find an outlet. And then you realize, oh, there's one unused outlet here in this power bar. So you plug into the power bar, and you think, here we go, and you press the button, and nothing happens. And it's because you're trying to power yourself. It just doesn't work. And this is what our lives look like. Like we've gone to great efforts to try and make sure that the different areas of our lives have power. We have good intentions. We've gone to great efforts by finding the source of that power, who is Jesus Christ. But then we think, I'll find the power in myself, and we'll just kind of plug in there. I can do this. I don't need the power of Jesus. I don't need the power of the resurrection. And it doesn't work. And then we just become frustrated. And the next thing that happens is that we eventually become worn out. Like, we're exhausted by our own efforts. Our self-empowerment begins to give way, and we know we just can't keep going. And people today are tired, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you get up in the morning, you're exhausted already. You haven't even begun the day. So we're thinking that we'll thrive, but we end up just surviving. 
So we try to find some power that will get us through the day, but we're exhausted. We caffeinate and we medicate. And I, I did a little on the first service. No, no, no. We caffeinate and we medicate to try to get through the day. And, and, and that's what we do. We, we try to find these ways of getting the energy that we need. But here's what I'm saying. You have the same power that brought Jesus back to life again, available to you today. But here's what happens to, else happens to us. Eventually, we just become overwhelmed by the circumstances. We reach a breaking point. Maybe it's our sins. Maybe it's our own habits that catch up to us. Maybe it's something that we don't have much control over. And at that point, we are at a crossroads where we either continue down the same path that we're going or we make the decision that we are going to draw on the power that God has given to us through the resurrection. And what we end up finding is strength and peace and joy by trusting in the power of God completely. And that's what Debbie experienced through the sickness and death of her husband, Richard. One guy asked his Facebook friends to complete this sentence, by the power of God, I. And here are some of the responses. I finally forgave my dad. By the power of God, I was cured of inoperable cancer. By the power of God, I overcame a drug addiction, a gambling addiction, a shopping addiction. Yes, that is an addiction. And uh, it might be in some of my family. But anyway, I overcame an eating disorder. By the power of God, I am four years sober. My marriage was saved. We conceived after being told that it would never happen. I found peace even when my husband passed away. And by the power of God, I was saved from my sins. By the power of God, by the power of God. Like that's Easter. And that's available to you if you would just know it. So in Galatians 5, Paul said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their own sinful selves. They have given up their old selfish feelings and the evil things they wanted to do. So we get our new life from the Spirit. So we should follow the Spirit. Now, I read a story about two friends who went to an art museum to look at some paintings, and they came to one that was a painting of a chess game. And one of the people in the painting looked like a kind of king, and the other guy looked like, almost like a, a devil. And the caption on that painting was checkmate because it appeared as if the king only had one move left. But one of the men looking at that painting was actually a really good chess player. And he started staring and then studying that painting. And then after a few moments, he said to his buddy, I think we better contact the artist. And, and his buddy goes, why? What's wrong with the painting? And he said, if you look closely at that painting, that king has one more move. Now, I don't know if that's true. That's pretty bad, telling a story I don't know is true. Parts of it, check out. Parts of it might be urban legend, sometimes pastor stories that, and Christians that just get passed on down from generation to generation. But I do know of a true story of a king who was defeated. 
a king who was beaten beyond recognition. Even his own mother didn't recognize him. And I know a story about a king who was nailed to a tree, and then his dead body was taken down off that tree, and it was placed in a tomb. And that king, three days later, came back to life again. He walked out of his tomb because they sealed that tomb. And they said, that's it. Show's over. Time to go home. Checkmate is what they said. But that king still had one more move. And that's the power of the resurrection. And it's true for you. You might feel frustrated by your failures. You might be exhausted by life. You might be overcome by life's circumstances. I want you to know that Easter means that there's one more move for you. Easter isn't just something that happened many years ago, and it doesn't have meaning just because it's going to affect an event that will happen one day in the future. But Easter is happening in your life right now, if you believe. So I've written down these things that I've prayed for you guys for. I've prayed that by the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that you would face your fears and move forward with great courage. I've prayed that you would forgive the person who hurt you. I know they're not deserving of it. I understand that. But by the power of God, may you forgive them and release that bitterness. I pray by the power of God that you would find joy in the midst of incredible loneliness, that you would know the peace and comfort that comes from God's power, even when you're surrounded by pain and disappointment. I've prayed by the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead that you'll be able to say no to temptation, even though everything inside of you wants to say yes. And I've prayed that you would have the power to rebuild when you're surrounded by brokenness. And I've prayed by the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead that you would know the power of God in your life right now. That's my prayer for you. And if you want to talk to somebody about receiving that power in your life through a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you've come to the right place today. You can come talk to me here at the front as we're singing, or you can nab me on the way out, or our associate pastor, James Stevenson. But don't leave here without making that first move. Let's bow together. Father, I prayed here for each person in this room, and I just want to thank you for each person. I know the stories are different, but we all have this one thing in common. We're all sinners, but God, out of his great love for us, while we were still sinners, you died in our place. We celebrate that news together. And Lord, I just want to thank you that Easter is an historical event that it's something that happened in the past that we can believe in with confidence. And I thank you that it's also a future hope where one day we will spend eternity with you in heaven. But God, I pray that each of us would know the power of the resurrection in our lives right here, right now. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray these things. Amen.